0: Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome to 2011. We are going to have a great call and another great seven-day fat-burning coaching call to get you started with the best tips you need for 2011 to get in shape and get burning fat and doing so. And, you know, first of all, I want to make sure that everyone knows that the 10th Turbulence Strain Transformation Contest is in full swing You can take your before photos and get started with your turbulence training workout to lose fat immediately. So you can get started anytime now and up until January 15th is the last day to enter. And from the day that you enter, you have 12 weeks from that start date to get into the best shape of your life for the contest. And, of course, we have four categories, men and women under 40 and men and women over 40. Everybody who wins those categories gets $1,000, plus we have second and third prizes and memberships available as well we really look forward to everybody's success we had some amazing record-breaking performances last time and I know this is going to be our biggest contest ever especially because of the January start date all right so let's get into this week's call Monday January 3rd we're gonna start with the transformation tip of the week and what I want you to do today especially this is a great time to do it because we are just kicking off the new new year is for you to you know, take a little time make a little list And on one side of the paper, I want you to write down everything that you want from life. And on the other side, I want you to write down everything that you're doing that stops you from getting that you want. And then I want you to work, plan, and prepare to stop doing those things that are stopping you from getting what you want in life. And that way, you can make 2011 your best year ever. Now, our training tip of the week is to train smarter. What I want you to do is to cut back on your training volume. If you're not using a turbulence training program, if you're doing your own program and you have high-volume program cut back. You don't need to do as much as you're probably doing. You don't need to train seven days a week. You don't need to train with four sets of five exercises per body part. Now, here's, here's an example. Recently, there was a guy at the gym who did squats, step-ups, leg presses, and lunges, just a regular guy, a skinny guy. Now, that's overkill. That was all in one workout. And unless you're a juiced-up bodybuilder training for the Mr. Olympia, you don't need to do that. He could have done a quarter of that training volume, and still achieve the same results. So imagine, you know, also imagine how sore and useless he's going to be the next couple of days because of that damage that he's put on those muscles. And, you know, just an average guy doesn't need to do that. And the same goes for your chest workouts. As I mentioned before, you don't need to do four sets of five chest exercises to build muscle. You can probably get away with doing a quarter of that volume. So, again, if you're doing your own workouts and you're getting from, from Flex Magazine you're doing too much, You know, if you can't get the job done with two exercises per body part, giving you about six to eight sets total, you're simply not training hard enough in each individual set. So don't just do more for the sake of doing more and trying to be in the gym for an hour. It doesn't matter how long you're in there. What matters is the results you get. Now, here's another way to use smarter training. I want you to look at your body as a science experiment. And what I want you to do is to add one new variable to your routine, not 10, but just one. Measure results just as needed that's going to find that's going to help you find out what's working don't change 10 things at once then try and guess what's working just make one change at a time all right now into tuesday grab a green tea and let's take a look at this week's top research study which is another interval training study this one is from canadian researchers very close to where i'm doing this call right now so i'm in Stratford, and uh this study was done an hour away in london ontario and they had 20 subjects They were young men and women And they were put into two groups. So one group trained three days per week for six weeks with 30-second all-out sprints running on a treadmill. And there was a slow cardio group that did 65% VO2 max training for 30 to 60 minutes per day, three times per week. Now, the sprint group, they did those 30-second sprints. They rested four minutes between sprints, and they did four to six sprints per session. Now, technically, they would have worked out, in air quotes there, Uh, for 30 minutes, but really they only exercised for two minutes if they did four intervals of 30 seconds, plus plus the warm-up and cool-down, of course, but they're only doing two minutes of hard exercise or three minutes of hard exercise compared to the 65% VO2 max for 30 to 60 minutes continuously. And now the results found that both groups significantly lost fat. Now the interval group lost 1.7 kilograms and the cardio group lost 0.8 kilograms, but those weren't different when it came to statistical uh, uh, testing. Both groups uh, had an increase in 1% of lean mass, and both groups improved their time trial performance, and both groups increased their VO2 max. And so none of those differences were, or improvements were different between groups, but it just showed you, according to these researchers, their conclusion was, despite a fraction of the time commitment, run interval training, Induces similar body composition, VO2 max, and performance adaptations as slow cardio. So this data suggests that the adaptations or adaptations that occur with slow cardio are central, and that means your heart and lungs. Whereas the changes with interval training are peripheral, meaning the changes are in your muscles. And so that's why a marathon runner can go and onto a basketball court and be out of shape because his muscles. He's doing an interval-type training pro. Uh, Game, basketball, stop and start, but he's only trained for long continuous bursts of exercise or bouts of exercise. He's not prepared for short burst training, and his muscles aren't prepared to take that oxygen, which his heart and lungs can deliver, but his muscles aren't properly prepared to use that. And so a runner, a long-distance runner, can even be winded on a basketball court faster than a guy who does interval training. All right, into Wednesday, we're going to do another workout tip Very short here, you need a plan. In fact, you need a professionally designed plan, not one you've made up with limited knowledge, taking it out of magazines and trying to figure things out. Now, if you go to Men's Health, you can get some quality workouts in the magazines. But if you just try and make one up from some stuff you read here and some stuff you read there, it's not going to work for you. And if you're struggling and you create your own workouts, then the bad news, the harsh truth is this, that it's your fault that you're not getting results because you're trying to come up with a plan on your own with no background and that's the same as me trying to do my taxes or me trying to create my own leases or wills or whatever. I'm not a professional at that, so I don't do that. All right, into trainer Thursday for all the trainers listening. I have a sneaky little trainer tip for you. Now, before a workout, if you have a client do a couple of kettlebell swings or intervals, it's gonna make them feel like the training session is harder. Now, I don't use this a lot, but it's a little trick that I use sometimes when I want to switch the training program up for clients. It increases conditioning, but um, clients also think that the workout is harder, even though technically it's going to be the same workout. But they've just done a little bit of extra interval training at the start. Their heart rate gets up, and it doesn't impact their performance, but they are sweating a little bit more from the start. And they do feel like the workout is harder, but, again, it's the same workout. It's just a little sneaky tip trick there to – Give your clients some variety in training. Now into Facebook Friday. Our question of the week was from Bradley on the Facebook page who said he just got a polar heart rate monitor thingy for Christmas. He never used anything before that, um, and it measures heart rate and calories burned. You know, he said it was a bit pricey, but it was a gift, and he doesn't want to, you know, give it back or anything. Um, So he's just wondering, like, you know, how helpful is this for his turbulence training? And I told him, you know, you definitely don't need it. I mean, obviously, a lot of our, almost all of our clients have gotten results without needing, uh, using it. And in fact, I just read some research that found the Polar F6 overestimated energy expenditure by 28%. Now, that's a lot. But, you know, again, to, because Bradley received this as a gift, I said, I'm sure you can find uh, some excellent stuff to track, especially, you know, your heart rate and how it changes uh, between intervals and all that type of stuff. And it might help you figure out, what works for you. Um, And someone else chimed in saying, you know, it's really good for endurance training, which is obvious, uh, but Bradley wasn't interested in that. But I just told him you'll probably learn a lot of stuff. Um, You can get a good idea of how many calories you burn in uh, not, it's not a valid representation, but it's a reliable. That means you can do a workout today and then do a workout, you know, two days later and compare them to see which one burned more calories. Now, it's not going to give you an accurate measure, but if they're both overestimated by 30%, then you know which one burned more calories. It's just not giving you an accurate number of calories. It's the same with body fat scales. They will tell you what direction you're going in, but the numbers themselves are not accurate. All right, now in this Saturday Social Support Day, and we have some research that shows that your social network influences your body mass index and weight loss, especially in young adults, because that's, what the subjects were in this study from the journal Obesity, and the study is called Social Influences are Associated with BMI and Weight Loss Intentions in Young Adults. Now, previously, there's been some researchers in the United States that have found that if you hang around overweight people, then your chances of being becoming or being overweight are greater than if you don't hang around overweight people. Not really surprising uh, when you consider there's probably a lot of habits involved there. So these American researchers were from Providence University, I believe, and they found that social contacts influence weight status and the intention for weight controls in young adults. And here's a couple of quotes from it. So normal weight, or sorry, compared to normal weight individuals, overweight and obese young adults were more likely to have overweight romantic partners and best friends and casual friends and family members. And then another quote here, found that among overweight and obese young adults, having more social contacts trying to lose weight was associated with greater intention to lose weight. So basically what that's saying is, again, if you hang around people that are overweight, you're probably going to be overweight, but if you hang around people that are trying to lose weight, you're probably going to be trying to lose weight. So you're really influenced by your social circle, or your children are going to be really influenced by their social circle if, if you have young adult children. So you might want to uh, you know, see if they want to re-engage a friendship with someone who's fit that they haven't talked to for a while. You know, that's some positive encouragement there. Or maybe you can help them become the leaders in their social group leading their overweight friends to get back and get active. Maybe you can get your uh, children active and hang around them and and be a good influence to them. And finally, Sunday, our Plan, Shop, and Prepare Day. And I posted this on Facebook today and had a huge response. I think that, like over 50 people Liked uh, this information that I posted. And first of all, I said, keep nutrition simple. I want you to follow the seven-word diet, seven-word diet, sorry there, from Michael Pollan's Food Rules book. And his seven-word diet is this. Eat food, mostly plants, not too much. Very plain and simple. And then I mentioned, you know, remember that Pop-Tart isn't food. And you need to use your good judgment on everything else. So if you know that Pop-Tart isn't food, then you know that chocolate bar isn't food. And, you know, bread, it may or may not be a food, depending on what type of bread you're using. Now, another thing that Paul said in his book was that everything that you buy that has a label on it should have five or less ingredients. And so you can find bread out there that has five or less ingredients if you want to consume bread. But you can also find a lot of breads out there that have a lot more ingredients, and you want to avoid those. So just use your good judgment, and in the end of the day, you know what is right and wrong. You know, this stuff is not rocket surgery. You know what is good and what's bad. And so just, you know, eat real food, mostly plants, not too much, and stick to foods that have very, very few ingredients, preferably the one ingredient foods like apples, broccoli, chicken. All right, and then I also said something. I guess I was a little bit of a stirring-the-pot type mood. I said the world's not going to end if you take the leftover cookies and chocolate and you throw them out. Starving children around the world will not benefit from your not letting food go to waste. So, you know, you hear that argument all the time, you don't want to let this stuff go to waste, but it's junk, it's junk food, and it's either going to make you fat or it should go in the garbage. And so I said, sorry for the truth, but, you know, if you're on these calls and you're on my Facebook page, you are here for harsh truth, fat loss advice, and that's what I kind of gave on that one. And so the truth is it's okay to throw out perfectly good heart-inducing globs of mass-produced sugar and fat. It really is okay to throw that stuff out. And, you know, it's good to have on Christmas Eve when you have people over. But once that's done and the leftovers are sitting around, it does you no good to keep them. You know, just make sure you don't buy too much or maybe even better, try and get some healthier foods in there. All right. That's it for this week. I hope you're kick 2011 with amazing results. I know that a lot of people are going to see fast results with some good diet changes, especially if they ate very poorly in the last couple of weeks. So make some great diet changes. Get consistent with your workouts, but don't train seven days per week. You're going to get hurt. We'll talk about that a little bit next week, along with men's health workout tips, Mediterranean diet research, and diet hacks. I actually promised you diet hacks this week, but I switched it up and we'll get that information to you next week. So thank you very much for being on the call. I really appreciate all your support in 2010, and I look forward to helping you with a lot more information here in 2011 and wishing you the best results ever. And make sure you check out transformationcontest.com for more information on the Turbulence Training Transformation Contest where you can win $1,000. Until next week, everyone, this is Craig Valentine from turbulencetraining.com and ttfatloss.com wishing you the best results. Bye-bye.